Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, April 20th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the ending of Devs. This is the show on Hulu. It's actually FX on Hulu, whatever that means. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film writer Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Thanks for joining me, Chris, because you are the only person on the Slash Film staff that has seen this show other than me. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about it. But uh, I, we should give a spoiler warning. So if you haven't seen Devs, actually, you know, let's give a, a quick sum up of our thoughts on the show as a whole, spoiler free, before we give a spoiler warning. So if people want to hear that and decide if they want to watch this show, they can. And then we'll go into spoilers. So, uh, Chris, what did you think of Devs as a whole? Uh, I really liked it. I'm a little out of the, I feel like I'm like out of the loop because I finished it before everyone else. Cause I, I watched it via screeners and I had like the whole season. So I, I watched it like a month ago. Uh, but as you know, when I was watching it, I was, I was all in it's, it's definitely an acquired taste. It's a very <laughs> slow moving show. And I know that's not for everyone. And not only is it slow, but it's also really, um, quiet show like there are very long stretches where like no one is saying anything and i could easily see that like driving some people crazy but it worked for me it's very much 
in the same wheelhouse as Alex Garland's movies like Ex Machina and uh, Annihilation. He, he, he goes for that very uh, dark, somewhat bleak, almost like monotone uh, way of telling stories. Like all the characters talk in very low voices and, and they don't say much. It's all about like this building this uh, atmosphere. And uh, so I feel like if you like his movies, you'll like the show. Yeah, and it has a lot of people from his movies. It has the actors from his movies. He obviously writes and directs. has uh, the same composer as his movies. Um, so, yeah, it d- definitely has that same feel. And, and I think you said this on The Water Cooler, but, you know, this is written and directed. Every episode is written and directed by Alex Garland. So it really has, like, this real auteur feel about it. It feels almost like an eight-hour movie or ten-hour. How many episodes is this? It was eight. eight, eight so eight-hour movie. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's really enjoyable in that. I, I, what I think I like about devs is two things the most. I love the ideas it tries to explore. I'm not sure it's completely successful in its exploration of these ideas, but like it's one of these shows that you can come away with and have a lot of conversations with other people that have seen it. I think about you know how does time work and you know all sorts of things like that uh and i love the evocative imagery in this like it almost feels like he had like some like a a room full of concept artists like being like come up with some like evocative imagery and like we'll try to fit that in. like there's some really like just iconic looking weird weird and bold things in the show and it is always like not trying to go for the the way you think you'd present things but a more uh, interesting and iconic way to pr- present things so uh yeah th- that's what i enjoyed about it the most I, I guess let's get into it uh this is a show that you know we'll, we'll read your description here the devs follows lily chan who is a computer engineer at a quantum computing company, Amaya. She suddenly finds her entire life upended when her boyfriend and co-worker, Sergi, turns up dead. The cause of death is listed as suicide, but Lily begins to suspect he was murdered. And Amaya's CEO, Forrest, played by Nick Offerman, had something to do with it. So, and he did. <laughs> and he did, yeah. Yes. It, it wasn't that big of a mystery, actually. I, they no. kind of, you know served that up pretty early on and i think that might be one of my big problems with this show is that i love the ideas that the show is playing with i love the imagery i love the execution of everything but i i'm not quite sure i like i think they drummed up this mystery to have it be a way for us to unravel the layers of the mystery of what devs is and i i'm not sure thinking about the whole thing as a whole that construct of how we explore these ideas is that satisfying yeah i I can i can agree with that even though i like the show as a whole i'm like the the stuff surrounding sergey getting killed and like it's revealed that he's like a a russian agent and and like that almost feels like it's very secondary to what alex garland is, is going for here with you know uh, the whole multiple universes sort of thing. It like, it almost feels like I don't want to say the show didn't need it because it's sort of like the catalyst that launches Lily into, you know, finding out this stuff, but it's, it's definitely the least interesting part of the show. 
What did you think of the actress that played Lily? Because I've had a, co- a couple of my friends. Uh, this is a Garland regular. Her name is Sonia Mizuno. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's very quiet, and a lot of my friends did not like her as an actress because she, she's definitely going for something different. She's playing, you know, a computer engineer, or is she a computer engineer? She's like a yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's not something we normally see. You know, you don't usually have charismatic computer engineers in this world. I mean, maybe yeah. I'm making a broad generalization, but I, I wondered what what did you think of her performance? Uh, I think she was very good. I, I like her as an actress. She was also on. Um maniac that netflix show and she played oh, a yeah. completely different character on that and she's of course uh in ex machina she's one of the one of the robots and she actually was the the body double for the weird alien at the end of annihilation so she's got that alex garland <laughs> uh she got the alex garland universe pinned down um I, I like I said uh, a few a little while ago. I feel like that's a thing that Alex Garland really goes for in all of his work. He like deliberately makes his actors very like soft spoken. Like everyone on this show, and you know his movies. When you really think about it, like no one really like raises their voice, and no one really gets like passionate about stuff. They're very uh, just toned down. I don't know if, why he likes that so much, but it's clearly a thing. He he wants like across the board. It's just something about his direction that makes his his actors go soft when they might go uh, loud. And um, I like I said, I can understand that not working for some people, but I thought it was good. There's also another interesting bit of casting in this show because there is a character in Devs that is a, I guess a, a teenage boy. But it's played by a female and not a female represent like she's not uh, trans like it, it is a female actress playing a man. Yeah. Do, do we know why that is? Uh, no, I just I don't know why they, they made that decision. Uh, that's just the way it shook out, I guess. Yeah, I'm guessing I, I had read some speculation online. I'm not sure if this is true, that maybe it had to do with uh, Garland not wanting to work with an underage performer and the way of getting around that was <laughs> to cast a, a woman as a young boy because then they don't have to deal with like, you know, all the restrictions that are yeah. required of, you know, working with someone under, I think, 18. Yeah, so... Uh, Okay, so now we are going to enter spoilers. So if you have not seen Devs, we are going to get into it right now. Okay, uh, what are your thoughts on this last episode, Chris? Like your brief thoughts on the last episode as well. Um, I'm not entirely on board with it, but I, I, I like it overall. I, uh, I I think I actually just got like angry with it because, sure. you know, the <laughs> and I, that's sort of like the point. But, um, you know, the the whole season is building up to this finale where uh, the, the Nick Offerman's character is very much into predeterminism. And, you know, he's he's obsessed with this idea that, you know, everything is predetermined. And that's why uh devs is, is operating it, it's it's like it's able to predict the it's able to show the past and predict the future and he's key into that and um that other character you brought up mentions that that's actually not what the machine is doing it's actually uh show, taking part in this thing called um the many worlds interpretation which is this real theory in in quantum physics that um to boil it down in, into the, the basic thing um, if something happens to you one way in this world, there might be another parallel universe out there where the complete opposite happens. So say 
you're in a car accident in this world and uh, you walk away from the car accident completely fine without a scratch on you. This theory uh, posits that there's another alternate universe out there where the same car accident happened and it killed you. That's basically what it boils down to. So it's it's, it's like a tree. uh, Anytime anybody's making a decision or – not even anybody's making a decision. I guess Adams. Anytime you know, yeah. anything makes yeah. a decision, then it branches off into these branching pasts. Right. And uh, Nick Offerman's character rejects that idea because really he's building this whole machine to like connect with his, his wife and, and daughter who were killed in a car accident. And he's rejecting this whole idea that there are other universes. And so his whole thing is that the, the devs machine has showed him that he's going to die and that Lily is going to kill him and the the axe is actually going to end up killing her as well. But, by the way, why, and, why would he reject the idea of other universes? Like you'd think that he would want to find a universe where they're still alive and find a way to maybe enter that universe. Yeah. I'm not entirely uh, sure as to why he's so dead set against that idea, but, but maybe it's just the idea that he doesn't want to accept that they're out there somewhere else and not with him in in his particular universe that's that's how i read the the scene but i could be wrong but um so uh, yeah there's this um weird like elevator they have that's like runs on magnetic fields inside the devs building and that that apparently doesn't have like any emergency shutdown procedure like if something goes wrong there's not like any safety net or safety like you know procedure of any kind it's just yeah it's, not, it's just it's a very dangerous thing and the, the deb's scenario that nick offerman's character sees is that lily shoots nick offerman in that elevator uh that the bullet kills him but it also passes through him shatters the glass of the elevator and it causes the elevator to plummet and that's what kills uh, lily and he shows her all this and he says like there's no way around it the, the, the machine is you know accurate this is what's going to happen and she and it looks like that is what's going to happen like she has a gun on him at the des building she forces him into the elevator but then she decides to change things and this is where the parallel universe theory comes in and she actually throws the gun away and i really love that but then this thing happens where there's this other employee (laughs) who also watched the simulation and he was like, well, it's predetermined. And he deliberately makes the elevator crash and kills them. And that really pissed me off because I was like, ah, you know, the whole it felt like the whole show was building towards her rejecting that fate. And it ended up not mattering in the end anyway. And, you know, that's obviously it's deliberate, but yeah. it still it still angered me just a little bit because it, it felt like a cheat. In a it way. also didn't feel like that character was doing something motivated by what we've seen of that character it really just felt like oh we need someone to fuck this up for them right yeah because he didn't seem like entirely on board with everything through the whole show and then out of nowhere he's just like all right i'm gonna take this into my own hands like it almost would have made more sense if the the allison pill character who was clearly more in tune with nick offerman's uh, whole thing had done it yeah. but i guess they didn't want to make her a murderer i don't know <laughs> I don't know. It, it's really weird that this show let, – let's back up for a second. Let's talk about this. So the show sets up this idea that there's this computer that can analyze the world and can basically predict how everything's going to happen and also somehow see back and uh, see back throughout time. Like at one point they were yeah. like looking at Jesus on the cross and stuff like that. 
So th- th- that makes sense. Like if you had a large enough computer with a large enough memory and it could ha- ha- could run an algorithm that was smart enough, you could predict nearly everything that's going to happen. Um, that's interesting to me because then like if you predict the future, can you change it? And I, I think that idea of running through the show is very fascinating. Because you see in the show at one point they're like in this room watching this monitor, watching the future a few seconds ahead, and it's of them watching the monitor. And they're having reactions and then a few seconds later having the same reaction in the room of seeing their reaction from a few seconds into the future. And I was sitting there thinking like, why can't these people have a different reaction? How can, Why can't like I sit there in that room – watching this reaction of myself five seconds into the future and be like, I'm not going to have that reaction. I'm going to, you know, stand up and yell bozo or something, you know, (laughs) do something random and different. But I guess this, this world operates on a, it's hard for me because Chris, my favorite movie of all time is back to the future. And in Mm -hmm. that movie, time travel is not done in a scientifically, uh, a way that it melds with science. I guess with science and what they say would happen if time travel were possible is it is the one world or like one timeline theory where if I went back in time and changed something, then that would have always been changed in this. Does that make sense? So, yeah, I, no, so yeah. I feel like this is running on that. Like, so, you know, there's that one point in the show where a character tells another character that, you know, what's going to happen and what they're going to do. And they don't defy that at all. They stand on the edge of a bridge and basically fall off the bridge knowing, well, they don't know that they're going to die, but knowing that's a possibility in in that world. I don't know. It, it seems they're trying to take concepts that are so theoretical and putting them out there in, in reality. And it, I'm not quite sure it works. For me, but I, I, I love delving into it. And I also love that this show, like, there's so many great monologues. Like, there's that monologue where she's explaining it to the main character. Uh, the Allison Pill character is explaining it to the main character. And she's talking about the pen, rolling the pen on the on the table. And it, it's this great, like, one-scene monologue. There's another monologue from the security guy who really didn't end up meaning much in the, the end game uh, where he's talking about the, the rise of China. And uh, I don't know. I, I thought there's some really great writing here, uh, but I, I did want to talk about this idea of predicting the future. What do you think about how this show, because it, it's such a, until the ending, it's such a depressing view that like none of us have any free, free will. will. Yeah. It's all determined. Right. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that's, it's a horrifying thought, but you know, I, I, I was really digging all of that. And I, I also loved the way the machine like showed things in that really fuzzy way. And at the end of the show, they figure out a way to make it clearer by running this filter through it or whatever, which I also thought was kind of like a cop out, but I, <laughs> I, I, I love like the, the weird, like fuzzy nature of it and how like disturbing it ultimately is and i don't know i i feel like with this show and with alex garland's movies in general he's more interested in asking the question than providing the answers like i feel like 
like with Annihilation and this, there's no really like 100% correct interpretation of everything going on here. I feel like Alex Garland is one of those, those guys who's really into, you know, uh, ambiguity and, and letting, letting sort of like the art like seep into your, your mind and, and letting it stay with you over like the days and weeks to come. Like he wants you he doesn't want to explain everything to you. He doesn't want to like hold your hand and tell you exactly what's going on. And I know that's, that's frustrating for a lot of people, but I, I dig that sort of thing, especially in stories like this, where it's, it's completely up to interpretation. And uh, I feel like you, you can uh, arrive at several different ways to look at this show and this ending and, they won't necessarily be wrong. They'll just be different interpretations. Yeah. No, that's also what I love about his stuff. But I was like sitting there, like watching her on her journey, you know, under the premise that, you know, everything is determined. And I was thinking to myself, like, if I'm this character, why even like go forward? Why even like, you know, adventure? Why am I watching this story if it's predetermined? Then I realized that it, you know, all movies that I watch are predetermined and I'm just <laughs> experiencing the story. I don't know. It's a stupid realization, but like, but th- does that make it any less valuable that, you know, it can't change? It, it, I guess it's just that I don't know what the outcome is. Right. And I mean, and I think the show ultimately arrives on the side that everything really isn't predetermined. Like that's sort of like what this is all building towards like you know the the nick offerman character says time and time again that everything is predetermined he has like all sorts of speeches about that and in the end like yes they do die like this machine predicted but it doesn't happen exactly the way the machine uh said it would and so by by that way um i think they even say like the machine really couldn't predict someone's actual free will like some you know uh, the whole show nick Overman is saying there is no such thing as free will but then it turns out there really is like she may you know uh, lily makes the choice to throw that gun away and it's it completely defies what the machine told them all would happen so the show is ultimately coming down on the side that there is sort of free will in, in a in a you know certain way it is Lily the only one that has free will or is she the only one that we see that has free will? Because I guess many of the like choices that people would actually make that aren't going to drastically change what the system's predicting, right? Or what they're looking at. It's like right. little decisions throughout the day that aren't going to have like a... I, so I guess for the most part, this machine is able to predict like big things because the little, you know, the little fly, you know, it's not going to have a butterfly effect kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, do you think she's special in it? Like, is this trying to say that she's special in any way? I think. Um, I think it is actually, and uh, I, I, I included a quote from Alex Garland in in the piece, which is on SlashFilm.com, which everyone should read, where he's really comparing Lily to Eve in the Adam and Eve story, and Alex and Alex Garland's whole thing in this quote is he's saying like if God is, is omnipotent, if God knows everything, then he created Eve. He must've created Eve knowing that she would, you know, take the apple and get them banished from Eden. And, and if he didn't know that, then he's not all knowing and he's not omnipotent. So (laughs) that was sort of like the idea behind the Lily character here is like, she's, she's like the Eve in this scenario. 
And uh, so I, I thought that was a really uh, interesting way of, of looking at it. Cause there's a lot of like religious imagery in the show as a whole. Like there's the whole Christ thing. And there's also this one moment where, which I found like really disturbing where they, uh, the machine is showing uh, like Joan of Arc being burned at the stake. And she's like just screaming in pain. And you know, that that's obviously related to religion as well. And, and the, the, the soundtrack uses very like chanting, almost like, uh, church-like music all throughout. And so there's all these like religious overtone undertones being thrown out in every episode. Yeah. There's also like the, the campus that's in like, I guess it's in Northern California and like the mere woods. It looks like has the trees have like this, these angel like halos. halos. Yeah. And at one point Nick Offerman standing below it. So w- what is the show trying to say with that imagery? Do you think? I mean, like I said, I just think it's it's Alex Garland tying uh, religion and technology sort of together. And that, that's yeah. something he's done before, too, where he, it's just like the melding of of those those two very different things. And I guess that goes to, to say, like in that last episode, they talk about the idea that the Silicon Valley founders of these huge companies believe that they're almost godlike. And they are infallible. And in the, in the end, he has proven that he was wrong. Right. So, yeah. Um, the, I, I also want to touch a bit about Westworld this season. And uh, I guess a slight spoilers for Westworld season three, if you haven't seen that. But it, it touches on some of the same areas, devs. What do you what do you think plays with it better? Oh, devs without, without question. I'm. I I don't know what the general consensus is for this season of Westworld, but I'm I'm like ready to wash my hands of it entirely. I actually thought, even though everyone sort of like fell out of love with it last season, I feel like last season held my interest more than whatever is going on this season. And uh, I will say Westworld is easier to understand. <laughs> it's 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 more cut and dry. Like they're. There are many, many scenes this season in Westworld where characters are literally explaining what the hell that machine is and how it works. And uh, that that's something that devs really isn't interested in laying it all out for you. So they are telling similar stories, but it, it's all in the, in the storytelling. Like Westworld is much more accessible, I guess you could say, yeah. whereas devs is a lot more uh, obscure and hard to penetrate and... You know, I'm not saying one is, I mean, even though I think devs is the better show, I'm not saying one storytelling method is better than the other. Like it really, you know, your mileage may vary, but I feel like I'm much more interested in what happened with uh, devs than I am whatever was going on with Westworld. Yeah, I think Westworld is aiming like any production with anybody with the last name Nolan is aiming <laughs> to, you know, hit the mass appeal, but with smart concepts and ideas, but also, you know, things blow up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Garland is, is going for a more uh, indie, I guess, uh, approach here. Art, art house? I don't know what you want to call it. Yeah. But um, it is interesting that both of these shows deal with a company that have created an algorithm that can predict the future of everybody in this world. And devs, even though it's like this evil company, they've, you know, they kill someone at one point and cover it up. We we never really get the idea of like what this company is going to be doing with this, this system. But in Westworld, 
they use the system to kind of control society. And right. yeah, so it, it's interesting that this show never gets into what because we understand what Nick Offerman wants with the system as in his personal uh, his personal motivations. But we don't ever get the sense of like what the company wants. Right. Not really. I mean, like there there is that one scene where Nick Offerman has like a meeting with I think they're like from the government. And but it really seems like everything going on at this company is just entirely to satisfy Nick Offerman's character's needs. Like they're not like thinking of like the bigger picture here. I mean, other people might be, but the people we specifically focus on are really just all tied up in Nick Offerman's, uh, you know, philosophy. Yeah. I will say this about Westworld. I, I really have enjoyed this season. I didn't like last night's episode, uh, which kind of took some interest or I don't know. Turns that I wasn't expecting. Uh, it. I don't know. I kind of like this. It's Blade Runner esque this season. It's it's playing with this future world where you know humans have kind of been put on their own loops of some sort. And uh, you know who's the bad guy? Who's the good guy? Who's the white hat? Who's the black hat? Uh, I, I, yeah. I like that it's playing with that. Uh, I, it does seem a lot more messy than you know the first season of Westworld. But but I'm yeah. I'm still in. Last night's episode was like my cut the cord moment. I mean, obviously I'm going to finish it cause I'm, I'm recapping it, but I was sort of like going along with things. And then last night's episode, I was just like, ah, just, I'm done with this. Yeah. Show. I just don't, I don't care about any of this stuff going on. And maybe the next two episodes will, will change my mind. We'll see. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what happens next in devs at that season finale or series finale. Do we know that this is a mini series that won't have another season? By the way, I mean, yeah, it's being billed as a mini series, but it feels like these days people change their minds all the time uh, with that sort of thing. I don't, I, uh, from everything I've read, it really seems like this is a one and done thing. But uh, you know, never say never. I guess. Yeah. Okay. So th- at the end of this, they die. Uh, both Nick Offerman's character and the main character d- die in a horrible crash of some kind inside the the devs' building. And then they awaken in a new world. They're like in the, the machine, basically. It's kind of like that episode of uh, Black Mirror with uh, San Junipero, where they're like in this other world, this simulated world, basically. And from my understanding, that whole world is entirely within the devs machine, because there's that moment where Alison Pill's character is talking to Nick Offerman on the big screen. And, uh, it's my understanding that if the shut that if the machine shuts down, like they're go- like going to be blinked out of existence, basically, like they're just living in this new simulation. But it's a simulation where everything is a lot different. You know, Sergey is still alive, uh, Nick Offerman's family are still alive, and you even see like they're in the big field where the devs building is in like the real world, and the building isn't there. It's like you know the the devs doesn't exist within devs which is very meta and confusing (laughs) but there's also some flashes showing them that there's multiverses inside there as well like there's other like it shows them talking in the daytime in this field and then at nighttime in the field and it's like cutting between them showing that there's so is there multiple multiverses inside this computer (laughs) i think yes i want to say yes but like i said I, i could be wrong here and uh, but again, that's sort of what I, I liked about the show is that <laughs> y- you could be wrong. You could be right. And 
really it just boils down to the characters in the end. And, you know, even though Nick Offerman's character gets a happy ending, it's really about Lily's character because even though Sergei is still alive in this world, she ultimately goes back to her old boyfriend anyway, like she did in, in our world, but that obviously didn't work out the same way, but she realizes like she loves that character and she would rather be with him even, you know, even though she's getting this second chance. And uh, so that's really what it all comes down to in the end. Yeah. But you also say at one point that they could turn off this computer and that those worlds would cease to exist. But those worlds from what I would assume are not running in real time, like our world. Right. So you (laughs) don't ask me, (laughs) but I would assume, I would assume the beginning and end of that world has already been completely played out inside the computer. Do you know what I mean? Like, so when Alison Pell's talking to uh, Nick Hoffman's character, she's talking to him at one point in that timeline, but I'm, I'm guessing that timeline exists as a whole. Do you know what I mean? I know what you're saying. I don't. I th- this is where things really start to lose me. This is above my pay grade. I don't. I don't know. I really don't know how it's all supposed to boil down. And then you start getting into, you know, all sorts of weird theories. Like you know, there's always the theory that we ourselves are are living in a simulation, and we'd have really no way of really ever knowing it if we were. So, uh, you, you know, you you we're, you we're open... brains in a jar in a uh, room of science. Yeah. Right. You know, you open that door, you end up going <laughs> into all sorts of different, different ideas. So, uh, but again, you know, I keep coming back to this, but I, that's really what I love about Alex Garland stuff in general, that he's, he's more interested in asking these questions than giving us all the answers. And I love that. I, I would, I would prefer that over endless exposition, not to say that can't work, you know, like going back to Christopher Nolan, I feel like Inception I know people have trouble with that movie's uh, exposition, but I think it works just because it keeps that movie yeah. moving at, at a steady clip. Whereas this, as a TV show, it's unfolding in such a different way. Like, I don't think this could have worked as a movie. Like, if you had trimmed this down and told basically the same story in, in a movie format, I don't think it would be as successful because there's not enough, there wouldn't be enough room for all these questions and all these ideas. And, you know, a lot of people, even though I love Annihilation, a lot of people had a problem with that movie for the way it presented its ideas. And maybe, maybe that's the lesson for Alex Garland here. You should just stick with miniseries <laughs> to make everyone happy. Yeah. It, do you think there's a different expectation? Because like when you get on like mainstream cinema or even like mainstream productions, like TV shows like Lost, people are upset if not all the answers are given, you know, like are handed to the audience in an obvious way. But, you know, with more art house cinema or, you know, miniseries like this and premium cable channels, you know, it is it more acceptable to have those lingering questions? I think so, yeah, because it's not on the same uh, level of, of... Like, if this were an HBO show like Westworld, I feel like more people would be complaining about yeah. it. Like, I don't think Westworld could get away with being this ambiguous and this uh, obtuse. And in fact, when Westworld does try to do that, it just ends up being really frustrating. So I really just think it's I guess it is like the medium. And it's it's also like the storyteller, like the tone of this show. Like I was saying, like the, the silences and then the long stretches of 
characters not talking, it sets you up for that sort of experience. Whereas Westworld is a much more like poppier show. It's, you know, it's about the action scenes and it's about blowing stuff up and it's about sex appeal. <laughs> and that's not what this show is. So it's really all just a matter of tone. I think at the end of the show, we see Allison Pell talking to Nick Offerman's character inside the computer. And we, there's a reveal that there is a new boss in devs. It's a, a new person controlling this company if this is a mini series that is supposed to, you know, end here and not continue, like what, what do you think Alex Garland is trying to tell us with that? Is it, is it the fear? Like, is he trying to present the idea of fear that this new person could shut this operation down? I think, so. I think that is sort of, I'm not, not saying that, that that's what's going to happen, but I think that's where that idea is supposed to insinuate that it's it's more likely that this could all be gone in the you know in the flip of a switch now because there's someone else calling the shots yeah no i i I love this show i'm enjoying westworld too although i do have problems with that last episode uh i i i love that they're both exploring the same ideas from completely different angles and i i would highly you know i i I guess everybody that's listening to this probably has seen dev so but if you have any of you (laughs) listen to this shame on you because we we spoiled everything yes but yeah so anyways you can find chris's whole article i'll link that in the show notes you can find this podcast, Slash Home Daily, published on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slash home.com. And write and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you on Wednesday.